When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 6, Episode 6, titled Babylon's Ashes. It's the series finale, or if you're British... I, what did they do? What do they do when they get their series mixed up? Uh, they call it finale. I did they pronounce finale wrong? They, sp- they must spell it C E R E S. I think that's how they do it. Right. Ah, the, the series finale yes. is C E R E S. Uh, yeah. This this is the last episode of the Expanse. We've seen it all, all that there's probably ever going to be. But you know, you can always hold out hope. Aaron, what'd you think of it? <sighs> So I've seen this episode three times now. Oh, Jesus. Luxury. I saw it once. <laughs> oh, really? I just didn't have time. Yeah, I was moving all day yesterday. I will say that I liked I liked it, and I liked how it ended a lot. Um, and I was satisfied in like, where the crew were at. I felt like this was a surprisingly messy episode. Um, you know, compounding some of the... Th- I, I, I'll, I'll go out and say it. Like, I do not understand the purpose of the Laconian scenes. Mm. And I felt there was at least two other new, entirely new elements to the plot that are not going... And, I, and as I was watching, and I'm like, well, maybe this will... And I thought I saw where some of those were going. Um, and then, like, you know, I thought there was going to be a, a Star Trek 2... Yeah, uh, Wrath of Khan uh, for for uh, one peaches. You yeah, know, the the needs of the the mini outweigh the needs of the the peach, <laughs> but that didn't happen. So I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, what you know? And it's like there there's the things like, well, we got to do things, and they've been such smart ad- adapters up to this point that it felt like I don't know. Maybe they wrote this when they were really hoping they would get another series extension. So like, well, we got to make sure Laconia gets established. We got to get Duarte, you know, evilly cackling up at his space station. We got to get Clarissa dying of space cancer. We got to do what I felt like this also at an hour, three minutes felt like this. I felt like this needed to be two episodes. I felt like cramming Hmm. all of the major battle sequences and the, what I thought was interesting and kind of amazing uh, political machinations at the end. Yeah. Felt like it was a little bit overstuffed, especially with the continuing adventures of, of, of Kara, the Explorer, especially with <laughs> the stuff with peaches and all that. Like it, I just felt like it was trying to do too much. Having said that, uh, and I also thought uh, the, uh, there was at least one head scratcher in like the action scene where I make, I thought they were telling one story and then it turns out they were telling another. Now, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I thought the I was delighted to see like what disgorging all of those cargo containers into the ring was all about. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought the realization of, you know, like uh, following Amos on his like D-Day landing mm-hmm. through this the insane shit that was happening inside the ring station was cool. Um, Marco's last ace up a sleeve was cool, even though I guess he didn't get his final ace from Duarte. Yeah. 
Um, and again, the final disposition of this series, I felt it does feel like the end of season three, only more so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I thought. I'm I'm curious. Uh, so, and 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 I will also say that like if you're thinking, well, geez, Aaron is a little bummed. There's also, I think, a twinge of just I am bummed that this is over. Sure, yeah. How could you not be? And if it, you it, love this show, and and because I I don't feel like it's on the show's terms. I feel like there is more story to be told. The show is even laying tracks of that story, and it's just ending as satisfying as it can be. But I, I I've been trying to do that for the last like 48 hours that I've been watching this show is like try to separate the thing itself from my feelings about the thing and it being over. And I, and I mm-hmm. will, I will cop to like being just a little bit like there's, it, this is always going to be, be bittersweet, but it's also a little bit more bitter than sweet because I, I just doesn't feel like this show ended on its own terms. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a different perspective on this, right? Because I've read the book and this thing ends pretty much exactly how the book ends uh, in almost every respect. Uh, I've also only seen it once and I apologize for that. Like I said, I've been moving over the last few days and I just have not had time. I had three hours. I, I literally set up a television and our couch in a room full of chaos <laughs> and I watched this thing, but I loved it. I thought knowing everything that they were going to do from the books really helped me fill in gaps, really helped me like, okay, I get what they're trying to do here and it works for me because I... I'm already familiar with this story. I don't. I don't need a lot of like. I don't know. C- catching up. It didn't. It didn't feel condensed. I guess because I've had you know twenty something hours worth of experience with this exact story. So, um, I didn't. I guess I didn't have the same perspective on it. I do think it. The, the Lilconia stuff doesn't seem necessary. It's entire. There's no way. But 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 the the there's thing. There's no way it, you could argue it's necessary. I don't. I don't. It doesn't seem like. No, the thing that it does is I think much like, you know, um, the the season three ending or whatever, it it gives you like a, a imagination for the future of what the Expanse universe is going to do, right? Like, oh, there's something more here. The story doesn't end here. I, I think they were successful in doing that, but I think it's very confusing in a season that was so short, in a season that sometimes did feel a little bit rushed. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't have a huge problem with it ultimately. Um, I think it does kind of give like a nice off ramp for the books. Um, if you want to like go and read those now, even if we don't get any more expanse, uh, television or movies, um, and the stuff that they do really well, they did really well. Like those fight scenes, those battle scenes are amazing. I, I can't wait to see him in full def when we watch it with everybody on Thursday night. Dude, yeah. Because uh, some of that fast, you could tell there's so much going on and with the kind of crappy 720-bit rate shit that we get on the screeners. <laughs> right. Like, it's a little I, muddy. I, I'm sure it's going to look a, a ton better. And it, it was already kind of jaw-dropping what we saw. Yeah, no, it, that was incredible. Um, th- they do little embellishments from where the books left characters. Like, some of this is is exactly from the books like marco's end is exactly from the books um and holden doing the union thing which i thought is a freaking amazing twist here like yeah. they make avis agrees to make you know the impartial dude 
head of the union, and then he just blows that all up by making Drummer the head. Uh, Especially since I already saw it's like, okay, well, he's this president, she's the vice. So, like, I felt like eventually... If someone assassinates him or something, because there are a lot of interests that might... Or, like, he'll serve a first term and then, of course, but, like, doing it that way was such a fucking ballsy (laughs) bet on belters. It is, it is. And and I think he's right in saying, like, this is the only path forward for peace. Um, You guys have to take the punch. You guys have to give because uh, they've been taken from for so long. And honestly, that was one of the most gratifying things is I felt like this show kind of like... Uh, where I was kind of like... I was actually kind of shocked at how it kind of tracked with like... You know, last feedback episode, I talked about like my personal feelings on, you know, geo, geopolitics and like what happens when you've got, uh, you know, an oppressed people versus a, a pre- uh, oppressors and, and who has to take what punch and who has to take the... You know, who has to be the one that, like, you know, is willing to take the first step forward to peace. And, like, this is just that to the nth degree. Exactly. And, like, all, like, I was just really impressed with all the things that, that, that Drummer was saying around the table. Uh-huh. And, like, the flipping of my word versus your word. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so, so good. And I, I don't know. I, I um, it, what's, what's really interesting is, like, I'm also not aware of something like this happening. Where the great, like in human history, where like a more powerful mm. entity has just been like, okay, we're going to give you, you know, like we take over, uh, we, we beat Japan um, in World War II. We take over the country, we rewrite their democracy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we impose martial law for like, what, five years, a decade. Like there's this slow handoff before like we don't full. Whereas here um, with, again, it wasn't all belters. But a exactly. lot of belters, half belters, yeah. you know, were hated us enough to try to destroy the earth and uh, holding, putting faith, not in just that maybe slim majority of belters who want a better future, but in drummer in particular yeah. and her ability to lead uh, the people uh, forward in a, in a wise manner and, and be fair to all sides. Uh, I, I, I thought that was like probably the best thing and the thing that yeah. I didn't see coming. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it, it, it's suggested at the end of the book, uh, and and I guess Michio Pa is going to be the one. And Michio Pa has ah, been drummer Peru. has been the Macho Peru analog this entire <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, but now it's like really obvious. Um, but but Holden doesn't pull the trickery that he pulls at the end of the book. So that was like an added layer that. Was, was super so, appreciated because Avasarala has this huffy thing about there was a twelve year plan. Was like, did they go yeah. into that in the book? And like, that's the uh, what they're alluding to. That, that maybe like, almost like Dan and Ty is like, we're uh-huh. going to we're the Holden in this, and we're going to throw you guys are the Avasarals that have read the book, and we're just going to accelerate. Yeah, that no, it was a lot of fun though. And then there are a bunch of like hell yeah moments too, or or moments that were like awesome with like Bobby and Amos on the yeah. surface of the the. Ring station, uh, whatever it is. Uh huh. Um, and then like just a couple of really sweet moments. Like mm-hmm. I love the juxtaposition of everybody gearing up for battle, and drummer's like the one actually gearing up for battle. Avasarala is meditating, mm-hmm. uh, and then the crew of the Rossi's just having a meal. Yeah. You know that that's their ritual, right? It it says so much about these different these different crews, these different people. Um. And how they're all preparing for the same thing in their own ways. And I thought that was just beautiful. Uh, it, it's also a carries, few moments like that. It also carries on to like, 
nostalgic theme of this season because like mm-hmm. Bobby wins today doing the maneuver that we see her do when we first meet her when she's on Mars yeah. practicing with the squad she tries to advance to an unprotected position to lay waste with her backpack missiles uh-huh. and that's exactly <laughs> uh uh what what she did and I thought that you know like there's and then Amos coming in to cover her and then the Rossi coming in to save both of them it was it was exciting, super exciting. It was exciting. I don't, to me, not have reading the book. I thought I was. Con- I thought that scene was confusing because I thought they were telling a very different. So I thought they were telling the story of Bobby and Amos are going to give it all because uh-huh. they've been talking about this for like, you know, why do we die or why do we fight? Why do we put ourselves in danger to to save the people we love? To to be to 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 do to die for some, to a, a cause that's greater than us. And they mm-hmm. even talk about like Amos is like, you know, if I have to punch out, I want to do it looking at people in the yacht. Like, I'm like, f- I don't know who lived or died at the end of this yeah. book. So I'm like, shit, uh, Amos and Bobby are just going to get riddled with bullets. And it's a sweet it's a it's a it's a great moment for both of them that they've sacrificed. They've laid it all out to save the system, you know, and and to try it. But like. <laughs> to me, they're telling a story of two people getting riddled with armor piercing ammunition. Like, does like, like Amos is like fucking Sonny Corleone at the goddamn toll booth. <laughs> yeah. And then he just gets up after it. And he I'm does. like, huh. I, I was okay. a little confused by that. Okay. Like, okay, does he have like the second best set of armor out of anybody or, yeah. or what? I uh, mean, it was just blowing holes through like even Bobby's Goliath armor. And I, so I, I, this is a complaint I also had about the last season of Game of Thrones, not nearly to this extent. Like, if you don't want people to die, then don't put them in a situation where, like, I'm just assuming they're taking lethal damage. Now, if you're going to do that yeah. shit, definitely do it on the finale episode because you can only sure. do that one or two times if writers check out on a seat. Yeah. Uh, that was like, I was like, huh. The music's swelling, he's screaming, his body's jerking as the bullets are passing through his body, and the, no, no, so. Yeah, just put him put him in the, the put auto Put him dock. in the auto be fine. To tank, yeah. Yeah, just stick his, stick his arm through that hoop, and he's good as, right as rain. Uh, Pull all the bullets out. No, they were almost doing the opposite, right? Like, I felt coming away from that battle that they had sacrificed the potential safety of the the universe mm. or the known universe there mm-hmm. um, in exchange for saving their friends because Bobby makes the choice to blow up the reactor for the rail guns, mm-hmm. which they needed to take Marco out. Yep. And that could have potentially lost the inners, the war and Naomi luckily found a way around that. But yeah, I, I thought it was a sacrifice for their friends in that moment. And just hoping that, in the future, you know, we can figure out a way to fix this. That's what it came across, too. I, I feel like it was the correct strict, uh, tactical call because you were about to die. And right. Then, and they would have still had the rail strength, guns. You got full strength yeah. rail guns and Mark was going to have like this. The time, Rossi it's like, guys. Yeah. It's... At, at least, you know, you've got the hope that the fleet can get there before they can fix the rail guns. And maybe the yep. Rossinante and everyone dies. But the good guys, broadly speaking, will win. Yeah, uh, it was a calculated risk. Um, calculated yeah and I liked it well do you have anything else we want to talk about just in generalities or should we get right to the episode proper Uh, I'm ready for the episode okay we're going to talk about Babylon's ashes but first a quick break another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to do's Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're back with what is the final installment of the adventures of Kara the Explorer. Uh, I think I've been pronouncing it Kara, but let's go out with the right name, Kara. Kara the Explorer. Mm-hmm. Um, fully pet cemeteried. Uh, what what do you think of this scene? A pet cemeteried her brother. She doesn't. I, I well, well, she's kind of hoping that like I'll get pet cemeteried eventually. Yeah, this is like I'm seeing what you what's going on with Zan. Yeah. I like it. I want in on it too. <laughs> I, their parents don't like it, and I don't blame them. This kid is fucked up looking. Well, I. It's so, unnatural. It's I scary. found it very uncomfortable to watch. Uh-huh. Because, like, normally I'm a big proponent of, you know, if uh, there's this new freaky virus going around and grandma dies in bed and she gets up and she's her eyes are milky white and her skin and, and, and her skin's gray and she's going, rah, rah. I'm not going to go in for the hug. Uh-huh. But this kid looks zombified, but he's talking like their child. Like to me, this is the shit that would work on me. This is like if, oh, if, if a zombie's smart enough to like mimic my son, <laughs> no, I will go into <laughs> no. those chompers as long as he can be like, "Hey, Dad, it's just me. I'm your kid. I okay, love you." Okay, so the only thing they really need to fix is the vocal cords. Yeah, the brain, the zombie's brain has uh-huh, to has the to speech work. Speech center of the brain, sure. Yeah, like, no, fuck that. This kid looks beyond help here this kid looks fucked up man i just thought it's kind of heartbreaking because i think this is zan yeah and he's a little kid and his dad's turned a knife on him and then shoves him into the closet and he's banging around clearly (laughs) like you know kids like getting uh but also he's different because i got the feeling that like old zan probably would have freaked the fuck out getting put into you know and so i I don't know really detached from from what's happening to his body. And I don't know how much the emotion of it. Cause this also, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, Katoa, right. Uh-huh. And that he was recognizably Katoa up until the point he wasn't. And is this a tale of continuing transformation? Is this right? I don't know. You know, we get the, we get the viewpoint from him and it looks very Katoa, like, you know, go glowing brains and all that shit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I thought the it was she had a you know clever girl moment with the um, and I don't mean like clever girl. I mean like you know Jurassic Park clever girl mm-hmm. uh, with the data pad um, fooling her mom and dad. Uh, but yeah, her like it's okay if I die. The dogs will fix me. Yeah, that's. It, I, I, there was something horrifying about that. I I don't know. I, something <laughs> off putting. Yeah, the fact that like this About kid this child, yeah. doesn't understand what this change fully means, and right. but yet has unlimited, like a child would, and like a, a, a unlimited faith in it, you know, um, like almost a belief in these. She believes in these dogs the way a kid believes in Santa Claus, you know, like the idea that Santa yeah. won't give you presents is just. And then uh, she's not scared that it could be Krampus. Like, right? <laughs> that, that's the that's the worrying part. Is the, the adults have a healthy fear of what this could be or the you know what damage the change could do yeah she does not have any of that yeah it's up on the rooftop clip clop clip but what if it's uh old old krampus coming down yeah uh and then you see duarte as i taught like you know just like you know <laughs> just twirling his mustache and yes yes at his battle career like i thought that scene's dumb and we don't really get any insight into why he would be so 
yeah, thrilled like it with has the something to do with the response call, some communication the, with the proto molecule beings, or and then there's the cryptic. I have gods to kill, uh, right? I, which is like fascinating, and I want to know more, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to. And none of this, as we predicted, is important at all to the end plot of this season. And I just, think I'm trying to. I'm struggling to think what did I learn here that wouldn't fit into just a sick ass cold open for a movie or a mini series sure. down the line. Yeah. Like what, like, you know, they, t- they took a, t- a total of 20 minutes out of an already shortened season, fairly short episodes to tell this particular story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like it needed to be done. And in the end, I did feel like they had this pu- push the, they, they had the step on the gas a few times. And I think for the final series, I would have, service this story instead of trying to bootstrap the second one. But I don't know. Maybe Alcon feels like they can get the fans really hot and bothered for the stuff to come. I didn't think the stuff did it to me. Like, honestly, all I needed, uh, all I needed to be interested in a a potential miniseries for book seven, eight, and nine is at the end what, what, what Holden was saying is like, oh, you know, we could do some, uh, anti piracy work or maybe we could consult for the out of these new planets or, you know, there was that proto molecules. That's all I fucking need to be like, hell yeah, I want to know what happens next. (laughs) I don't need 30 minutes of this Saturday afternoon kid special that didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I'm mostly with you. I, I was not impressed by it over the last five episodes, and this one didn't really change my mind much. Yeah. Though it does leave, you know, a season three-esque, like, oh, shit, something else is going on with the protomolecule. It's not just over. It's um, just so much more. Still it'd be, something hanging out there. It'd be like if they sh- yeah, if they sh- if they showed the settlers landing on Illus. It's not it's not the two minute sequence of like the thing like, coming out the of the ring Venus, gates right? going open. Yeah. Oh my god, how many of them? There's this many. What are you going like? That's like a, a door that opens. This yeah. is a door that's open, and also they we went through this other side for 20, 30 minutes just to be like, hey, yeah, yeah. You visited Narnia to see what Narnia is all about. Uh, yeah, I, I it's. I'm open to other arguments and of course we're going to watch this again on Thursday night and see what other people mm-hmm. have to say and see what the public thinks about it. But like, I, I already know that from my temperature reading of the fan base, people were not super digging, especially if you had no, if you have not read the books, you were like, what the fuck is going on with this stuff? I don't think anyone's minds are going to be changed. If you liked it yeah. and you're like, Oh hell yeah, this is really getting me hyped up for a potential series in the future, or I, I've read these books and I liked seeing a little bit of this get to the screen since I might not get it otherwise. Like, I get that. But for the vast majority of the Expanse fans that are not coming at it from that, I think it's going to be seen as a distraction that probably should have been spent focusing on the main story. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the Joint Strike Force Command ponders their tactical options as Marco splits the Free Navy into three fleets, all burning hard towards the ring. Here's a scene that felt weird to me. Um, the, Expanse has, the Expanse has done scenes like this before. I think of back when Aaron Wright was doing his bullshit. And there was always like questions of logistics of yeah, how are you, we going to intercept this ship? And yeah. what response should we can, have? Can to all this of our rail guns take out Mars's weapons platforms at the same time? Or yeah, Right. Yeah. Um, but those scenes always felt appropriately abbreviated. Um, like it wasn't the real focus of the thing. This felt drawn out in a way... And I get this is a more complicated thing they're yeah. trying to arrange here, right? Three battle groups. The Rocinante is doing its own thing. Holden has a plan. Yeah. He doesn't even, like, really tell us in this scene. We just see it later as to right. how he's going to distract uh, the railguns. There's a lot going on here, and so they kind of needed an extended scene. But it felt 
to me a little out of place as far as like what the expanse has done previously with these types of scenes and it's also very compressed because you know that too right weirdly drawn out but also you, you have to have drummer you have to have compressed. the martian and drummer instantly snap at each other you can't have like a like if this is right. a, a longer scene you could have like a slow boil or if this was multiple scenes of like them collaboration we could uh, yeah. uh, introduce some antagonism but it seem it makes drummer seem like both drummer and the martian seem kind of unhinged and then also Avasarala feels like the like which i know they're trying to not have a paternalistic take on the belt, but it felt like the old great society telling the two younger mm-hmm. ones, you children, you know, like, I don't know. I, so, uh, and also it, it suffered from a lot of rep- repeating stakes that we've been made very clear to last two episodes. Like Avasarala has to be like, you know, we have to do this. Cause if we don't, mm-hmm. Marcos will be behind his rail guns and in control yeah. of 1100 state, like the, the exact speech that Renfield gave, is it Renfield? Sure. Renfeld. Renfield. Yeah. Uh, Rosenfeld. There you Krantz, go. Gilderstern. Yeah. Uh, if 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 we don't, you know, it's essentially her speech only in reverse. Like instead of yeah, uh-huh. rah rah, so we got to do it's boo boo, we got to stop them. Right. So, um, and and they're about to jump like right into the battle. That that was one of the things that impressed me. This episode is boy, yeah. they get to it fast. They really uh, do. They don't waste time and. And so, like, they have to kind of do it all here because I, I think you're right. Previously and in The Expanse, they would separate this scene into, like, two, maybe three scenes, right, that happen over the course of an episode. They just don't have time to do it. That's here. what I'm saying. Like, that's why I thought, like, this needed to be a double episode. Um, I thought yeah. so, anyway. Or maybe an even longer, a 90-minute episode. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they outline... They outline... Um, they outline the plan here mm-hmm. and talk about how it's going to involve a freighter and the Rasananti and landing ground forces and, <laughs> and taking over like, the rail guns. How the hell are you going to do that? Holden's just like, we'll talk about it later. I kind of wish now, although I got to say that even knowing what happened, I had no idea what the actual thing was going to be until they did it. And it was I, super cool. Like it, it's, it was it's the only cool. plan I can even imagine being effective in that scenario. And it, right? it, it's such a great way to neutralize the advantage that they have. Because like it's yes. a very Death Star. Like this is all designed for to repel Mars and Earth coming in with all their big battle cruisers yep. and fucking shit up. You've got maybe twenty five targets. This is the X Wings yeah. launching against the Death Star because no one thought that <laughs> right? someone would send sixty fighters against this thing. It, right? Because it couldn't be effective, right? Like it, there's no way it would be effective. Yeah, and right. it, no, it's. It's one of those things where, like, this is the only option. Mm-hmm. It's obvious in retrospect, but it's something you never even consider. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's those a great story of asymmetric warfare. Things. Like, they built big, badass guns. We're going to have a swarm of small gnats that are going to overwhelm Exactly. Them. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, it felt. Uh, did you think Avasarala's, like, is that the best you can do? Like, I felt. I, that felt weird. <laughs> like,. Uh, well, I mean, what else are we going to do with this Corvette, ma'am? Like, yeah, it's maybe it's a crazy, got? like, it's our freighter and our Corvette, and we're going to do something crazy. Uh, what is this the best you can do? Just grab all your ships and throw them at <laughs> right. each other? Fuck you, old lady. Send you and in one on the, the front lines here to crash into the other forces. It almost felt like they were setting a, a joke, like, you know, she was going to roll tough, like, this is this the best you can do? And uh, Holden's going to stammer, and she's going to be like, I'm super impressed, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got there, but I kind of wish they just just left that one and just be like, you know, Jay, look... Leave it to an optimist like you to come up with a crazy plan like this. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Okay, here's another one. This might be a screener thing. Did you think there was anything up with the lighting and makeup for Avasarala throughout this entire episode? But it's especially noticeable. Like, uh-uh. I felt like uh, it looks like she's wearing clown makeup. Clown makeup? Like huge disparities between the fa- uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and was uh, it the neck versus the face thing? Because I know that happens a lot. Some, like you got to take but the this makeup show all the way down. Usually is not. I, I think this down. show's makeup is usually pretty fucking amazing. And uh, yeah, I didn't notice belt, anything. It belt off. Maybe it's just maybe it's the lighting and this particular you know because it's a lot of like blues and purples, which are it's an unnatural way to light people anyway. But yeah, true. Uh, I'm curious to see some of this if, if it if it looks better with the with the, the better copy. We're going to watch it with everybody on Thursday. Um, I watched through all of the 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 theme, the intro. Uh, I don't usually do that, but I, I was feeling a little nostalgic, feeling a little like mm-hmm. you know melancholy about the ending of this thing. And I watched the whole thing, and I loved it. I thought, God damn, that's a good intro. It's a good it's got intro. A great and song. The graphics are beautiful. They keep telling, like, like I didn't know this, um, but like they've slowly told the story of the railgun installation. Like, at, you know, they have had they the been thing changing the, it this whole season? They ha- yeah, and I didn't know what the hell they were doing, but nice. like they had the station, and then they showed the station bisected by the things. And this latest episode, the railguns are there, and they all fire off in yeah, sequence. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, uh, and I guess if you if you knew what the hell was happening as a book reader, you might you might have gotten in on there. But yeah, it's yeah. it is a great intro, and it it changes all. Uh, one thing I thought was really cool watching it in all in one go before the season is how many t- times mid season they change it. Like right. Mars having two moons, and then once Phoebe, uh, is it Demos or Phobos, whichever mm-hmm. one got shattered, it it breaks apart in and it, to this day when you, they show Mars, you see the one moon shatter and kind of drift into like a ring. Nice. It's cool. It's really cool. And uh, then at the end of that, they they flip up the directed by credit. Directed by Breck Eisner, who uh, it, I, I don't usually pay attention to a lot of this stuff with behind the scenes. Right. Um, but I did note that he's been the director of every season premiere since season two. And since Amazon took over with season four, he's been the director of every premiere and finale. Uh uh, also notable because uh, you might recognize the name Eisner. He is Michael Eisner, former CEO of Disney's son. His real name actually is Michael Eisner, but I guess he doesn't want to wear his nepotism on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he wants he wants uh, he wants hired on his own merits. And, and to be fair, like I don't want to I don't want to disparage him too much, right? Like this is Amazon. This Disney has not touched this product as far as I can tell. Uh, so. You know, but it was kind of inevitable, right? They, He's going to be a director or planet, a producer. So not touching it at all is probably a little, little strong, but sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know, unless ILM's in there doing some of these graphics. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so th- that was an interesting piece of trivia. He he has directed the series finales and previews um, for the last few seasons. Interesting. Okay, before now, that since now you dropped a trivia about the intro and the director, um, as you know, I love looking up the meanings behind the names of the ships and this freighter, the Gian uh, Gian Battista. Mm-hmm. I looked it up, and there's tons of famous Gian Battistas. There's one that's a fashion designer in Italy right now, but the most famous one, the first result in Wikipedia, is Gian Battista Vico, uh, a late 17th, early 18th century Italian philosopher, rhetorician. Uh, rhetorician, rhetor- someone is a master of rhetoric. Sure. 
Uh, historian and jurist during the Italian Enlightenment, Gian, uh, Gian Battista is often credited with the invention of the philosophy of history. Specifically, he was the first to take seriously the possibility that people had fundamentally different schemes of thought in different historical eras. Thus, he mm-hmm. became the first to chart a course of history that depended on the way the structure of thought changed over time. I guess, and this makes a lot of sense, that uh, before then, the dominant view of history is that uh, people in ancient times thought and had the exact same morals that people do mm-hmm. now, that that's something unchangeable. So, like, that led to some bizarre conclusions. You know, if you weren't yeah. open to the idea that, hey, maybe Romans and Greeks felt differently about things like the Persians do. And uh, so and, and also that that thought drifts over time. And I, I guess that, that mm-hmm. does like if you're an, if you're a, why would you think as a 17th century Italian that first century Italians had radically different thoughts about things than you did. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot, yeah. there's, there's, I feel like that's natural, right? Yeah. That's the natural <laughs> viewpoint is to just think everybody thinks like me. There's a, th- there's a thousand year stretch of unbroken kind of like civilization. So that would, but, but nowadays it's like, that's, that's one of the first things you think about. Well, even just like they're human, they must have the same thought patterns as me. Yeah. I, I think is a natural thing, but that's yeah. not true. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. not true. And it's, I think it's interesting that like, would the show as concerned with multiple people's points of view and different ways of thinking? If if yeah. this is the actual correct Gian Battista, I thought that was a nice nod to the guy who first thought, well, what if people think different than us? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, we next are treated to a scene of Philip reporting for active bridge duty. He's out of the doghouse into into the main the main bridge uh, and uh, Renfield. What is her name? I'm sorry. I'm gonna try to get it right. This last Rosenfeld. Rosenfeld. Yeah. God, the 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 bullshit has been locked in my brain at this point. No. Rosenfeld is nervous about the numbers uh, that they're facing in the impending battle. Uh, yeah. This this seems like a just scene you got to do. I I don't know to get him back on the bridge. To, so, for to, for him to witness his father's, uh, you know. And it said they set Ego it up one more time. Yeah, they set it up, and like I was, I'm like, oh yeah, the da- the the ghost knife is going to come out at some point, and and that didn't happen. <laughs> I, honestly, I know we talked a couple of weeks ago about the phenomenon when you get to the end of a series that like there is very limited time for more gambits, more digressions, yeah. more diversions, more surprises, right? I do question why you bring up the idea of a late, a last minute Laconian surprise if it's not going to happen in this episode. Well, I think it's to crush Marco's hopes, you know, to it's it's to bring him like to his lowest point and show that he's still pretending. Like all of the rugs have been pulled out from under him, right? Like the only thing he's got left is those rail guns and he doesn't necessarily think they're going to be enough. He's not even sure if he'll make it to the ring gate in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he needs some some more reinforcements or something. I I think that's the only thing it does. And it was pretty effective in that. I, I felt like and it's to crush the spirits of his crew. Well, his crew doesn't know. His crew doesn't know that. So. I felt like there was a pall that so, yeah, cast I, I, over the entire Pella this episode. There, it does, and I feel like I feel like you are onto something, but I don't. I felt like it's another instance, or not another. There was there have been tons of this, but there was there's one instance of this finale episode not doing all the connections to make it to where like if 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 that had yeah. been established and the crew is like, oh man, the railguns are awesome, and wait till we get something else, and like like. Because it did feel like the crew of the Pella got their spirits crushed, and I'm not exactly like sure nothing. why. Yeah. 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 Maybe just another setback because they've had several, but like, I don't quite, I think I needed another scene or two or something 
to justify because otherwise I kind of wish they just left it out. Yeah. We join the Rasinanti as it's burning hard towards the gate ahead of Marco's fleet. Uh, it's it's right there hiding under the lee of the John Beatista and uh, Clarissa receives some grim news about her health. Oh, yeah. She's Turns five out years to live the ancient Earth lady uh, taking space meth. Didn't need to worry about her health. The the young, uh, uh, healthy uh, super soldier from Earth is the one we should have been worried about. <laughs> yeah, she's got those back alley mods. I, I, yeah, th- this felt right. This felt like, oh, the shit she was doing to take Holden's life is going to shorten her own. That feels like poetic in a way, um, inappropriate. And I think it 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 cheapens her life in a way that maybe like you don't want when she goes to sacrifice herself or, or maybe it just heightens the tension of that. Right. Cause you're like, man, she could just say, fuck it. I have five years to live. I'm going to go into the reactor and I'm going to Spock myself. And (laughs) (laughs) not in the dirty way, not in the dirty way. Give yourself in in the, in the Star Trek two way. Uh Uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm going to go into the reactor. I'm going to save my friends. I'm going to give my life for the person whose life I wanted to take at one point. Like uh, all of that, it, it this five year thing makes it seem more possible that that's going to happen to the point where when they didn't do it, I was very surprised. OK, so is, is Clarissa on the ship in in the it, she has to be right, because in the end of book five, she joins the crew. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she's she's on there. I don't remember anything that she does okay. in book six. So but. like, I was wondering if they established because like to me, this was another thing where like I kind of see it, but I, I everything you said is true. It seems like it's a scene divided against itself. Yeah, she's gonna die yeah. in five years, so it does make any sacrifice she would make necessarily cheaper because it's different. Yeah. Like if you if you think like you know what, I've got a new lease on life. I'm out of prison. I'm with the people who who are going to protect me and, you know, accept me. And I got a nice long life ahead of me versus, oh, five years. That's different in terms of sacrificing. Like a, a guy who walks yeah. in a nuclear reactor to save a town who just found out he had cancer and is going to have six months to live is different from a 24-year-old father of three doing it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I felt like they were presenting all these options and then, they, like, they, then they're going to do And I'm like, well, if she spocks herself, I guess that makes sense. But it's not as big a sacrifice, especially from like with all the different moral things they've done with her character. But and then it kind of blew my mind when she didn't. Yeah. So it's like, what the hell is this? Because like if you take away this, her making the crew a meal is just 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 a final uh, icing on the cake and, and Naomi accepting her and and all the things total about her calling Amos the boss and all that kind of stuff. Um, all that stuff works of just her. This is just her being um, f- fully becoming a part of the crew. Mm-hmm. I don't get the, the five year, like in, unless it's a big plot point in the books, uh, which doesn't seem like it from what I understand and where the books go from so. here. I, no. I thought it was another another bizarre complication of the plot to introduce at the 11th hour. Uh, not fatal, yeah. just weird, just a weird choice. And it doesn't even really shorten her life much in the context of the stories that the expanse would tell right because i'm thinking like in the star trek context all of the first series of star trek takes place within a five-year mission right yeah so like if you can get at least three seasons of a television show out of five years yeah i'm not super worried about claire yeah going forward i I think we're gonna get enough of her if this thing picks up kind of where we are so true 
Uh, there's a lot of stuff I like about this though, like Bobby, um, being so happy she's going into battle. You can tell, right? Like she's getting these rounds from aim or from Holden. He's like, oh man, can it really hold all that? She's like, fuck yeah, I can. Yeah. And <laughs> I thought that's, I thought the same too. I'm like, on this armor, where does it all go? Is it like wrapping around her thighs and her biceps right? and like, you know. There's gotta be a backpack on this. There thing. is a backpack, but yeah. it's not nearly enough to hold the crate of ammo that, that hold, I think it's almost a joke. Like, right, right. You know, it's like when you, like when, like in the prequels, I always wondered in Star, the Star Wars prequels, when R2-D2 goes in those Naboo starfighters, mm-hmm. where does his body go? Because <laughs> the part where his head peeks out, like, you just you just superimpose an R2 Dito over there, his feet would be sticking out the table. <laughs> right. It's like not physically big enough to hold him, but like no one so I my like, yeah, when they wheel out the case, just as I was thinking, how the fuck does all they they they, they like lampshade it? I thought that was that was cute. Yeah. I also like the story about Alex, you know, um you know, his dispute about the the Rasananti. It's like they didn't steal it, it's just the ship was smart enough to bust out and look for someone worthy enough to fly her. Mm-hmm. Uh although I, I don't know. I always thought legitimate salvage was funny. Uh-huh. And like, I it wondered is. why they th- felt like the need to invent another thing that Alex would say uh, that he never actually said on the show. But I, yeah, I think it's because of Bobby's affinity for Alex. You know, like, yeah, this is this is kind of just a this is a Rossi crew thing. Yeah. At this point. Oh, and I, I also thought that um, I, I, I like that they continue to pay tribute to Alex, uh, the character throughout throughout this uh, final episode. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff here um, with Naomi kind of talking about Claire, uh, what she's doing. Amos making Claire the mechanic so he can go to uh, go, go with the assault team mm-hmm. uh, in the drop pods. Um, I I really like this scene. Everybody is doing and saying nice things for the rest of the crew, right? Mm-hmm. Like there th- there is something that feels like a crew here. Like they're all supporting each other. It's a, it's a pleasant moment before you go into battle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's going to be harrowing. Yeah, it just feels good in a finale. The other thing is uh, I I paused, I freeze-framed on the screen where it shows all of uh, what's going wrong with Peaches here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and all the things it mentions, and one of the symptoms of this uh, complex endocrine collapse syndrome is salt cravings. <laughs> okay. So, so she's it's not just that the food is it's bad. not just the food is bad and she's got to smoke like it's this is a this is one of the like tells that she she's got uh um, wow i wonder if that's an after the fact joke i don't wrote, know and we're but, just like let's explain the salt thing in this hilarious way or and then, then they worked it in it because it's all in the background like it's, it's like literally yeah. a, a half a second scene if you don't freeze frame and look at the stuff you'd miss it and then there's also the payoff when she asks uh is the food too salty mm-hmm um, I also really liked, I, the, yeah, the, the them g- coming into the the mess to eat and like her slapping Amos's hands away from trying to get it, and right. then him do the same thing to, to Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> yeah, like it's not done. Like, I thought that was just it. Just yeah. It's what just are you really gonna cute. do? Get your hands in there. Get a spoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barbarian. And then, and then he just eats out of the pot anyway after right, everyone's right. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. I yeah. love these little moments with the crew. I like it too. Uh, Avastrala is meditating when she receives word that they have located the Pella and are about to engage with their main fleet. Meanwhile, Drummer prepares her ships for war, which kicks off the first of two major battle sequences in this episode. Unfortunately for all involved, Marco has at least one more ace up his sleeve. So I intend to discuss everything up until the Rasinantes part of the battle. So 
Okay. Because uh, this, it's just like, it just starts. She goes into this the ready room mm-hmm. and launches torpedoes and war begins. Yeah. Um, and like I said at the beginning, I really love the juxtaposition of all these scenes with everybody preparing in their own ways for the battle. It feels, again, like a, like a climax, like a finale, um, like everybody is is getting the last word in before things get really rough. Um, and I was surprised, I guess, to see Avasarala up in the front, as surprised as her crew member. Um, it makes a lot of sense, though. Like, the real time... When like, we're talking about the distances we're talking about, which, you know, to be effectively out of torpedo range, you have to be very far away. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that might cause like, like, even from Earth to Moon is a two-second round-trip delay. Yeah. Uh, you get out like Earth. So like if you if you stay out of like the hundreds of thousands of kilometer range that you would have to be to be safe, it would be a significant delay in in the the, the communications. And I, I I thought that was interesting. Like like that's something that like uh you know FDR and Churchill didn't have to contend with because yeah. like you know with te- telegram yeah we you got the Earth covered yeah <laughs> instantaneously. You might have fog of war where you're having a hard time reaching the commanders on the battlefield but like sure. talking yeah. to your supreme commander that's that's not a problem i, I thought and because i had the exact same issue and then i'm like well that actually makes sense because some calls it you does. would want to go all the way to the top yeah i'm wondering what those calls could really be like everybody knows the mission yeah uh, I, and i feel like there is probably a general in direct command of the fleet because we don't ever see her issuing like Right. Or orders like drummer, right? Like she's like, not like charge of the Martians for sure. Like it's like a exactly. joint operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their generals would all be communicating and yeah. figuring that out. But yeah, it made sense. And it lets her, they have like, you know, for the, the people who are slow uh, to getting the message, it lets her have like a little mini debate about like, why aren't the Belters doing more? We should just, when she's like, you know, well, because he's like, I just wish we had more belters, especially with uh, how much we stuck our neck out for him in series. And she's like, it's that's uh, a great quote. It's too little, too late. The story of our species. Yeah. Uh, which is by the time you really need someone, if you haven't already spent the time developing that relationship and at the nation state level, it's almost never happens. It's it's already too late to build that. So. Uh, and I, are, are we kicking this fight off? Yeah, it's kicking the fight off. I, I, we're at, but I, there's one. Le, there's one. Uh, I, I thought they did a good job of showing Marco being clever one last time, because it's not just the disguising of the freighter, but him knowing that the kind of piratical greed. I, I don't want to say like in a but like the the way a Belter looks at like spoils of war yeah. is going to cause them to like not focus on the freighter. They're going to try to protect it at all costs, mm-hmm. which he kind of like uses the rest of his fleet as a blade of armor to get away to, sure. to get away clean. Uh, yeah. But that, it's it's clever. It's clever in a very Machiavellian uh, utilitarian, you know, uh, utilitarian kind of way. <laughs> yeah. And to the point where like when Officer Olive figures it out, the, the, the jig is already up, right? They've shed the the facade, and now it's just the Pella. Well, yeah, or, or it's it's you know the, it shows that the Pella is not there. They got a seventeen percent match on the engine's drive signature, like right. She figures it out a split second before the computers do. And even the, like watching so, the second time, there's this like you know the freighter's breaking up, and drummer's like, "Damn it! I told you no one to attack." Well, it's not breaking up; it's actually no, ejecting its that's shit cool. off. Of it. Yeah, I like that. And. A little bit of season one nostalgia for the Rossinanti's gas freighter gambit. Yep, I was like, thinking, yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're using the Rossinanti trick where they just sort of like disguise themselves as something else. Yeah, yeah, I thought that 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 was really cool. Um, 
And, you know, the by the time it, it felt like a because they've always said that the Pella is like, I think they upscaled it. Like, isn't this like in, in the ship? It's uh, a Doniger class, like the biggest and best no, uh, really? that, that, that Mars has or it's a light. It's a cruiser. It's, it's, it's a big battleship. So it single handedly changes the tide of the battle, like when it yeah, deploys yeah. and lets off its missiles. The other fleet's way out of position. They're not facing the right way to hit. Because a lot of these smaller ships, if they have rail guns, they're not like swivel mounts. You have to like turn, mm-hmm. and it just it just rips through drummers drummers fleet. Uh, oh, the the helmsman taking that PDC round and just his head pulping. Yeah, like oh uh, my god, it harkens back to season one, right? Like it, yes, yeah, at the dock. Uh, like I said, it just kicks off. It's super intense. I think mm-hmm. all the action here happening is like you know, torpedoes are flying and PDCs are, are going off. And I'm sure there's probably a railgun or, sh- or two in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just chaos. Um, and, and the battle is evolving so quickly yeah. that as drummer reacts to it, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I wouldn't be able to make the calls as fast as she does here. Holy shit. <laughs> no, drummer's real, real good. And yeah. then there's also that. And I'm like, cause again, I don't know how these books go and I see drummers crippled and she tells everybody to fall yeah. back, but like leave the pellet to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, she's going to ram it. Mm-hmm. And then her crew realizes, Oh my God, she's going to ram it. But the, the crew's resolute. They're going to do it. Yeah. And just as you think I, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Cause I no doubt in my mind, she's going to do it. Uh-huh. And just as I'm processing that, Walker comes on and is like, hey, boss, bang. Looks like we had the same idea. I'm just going to get there first. And fucking the old salty dog rams this guy. And Tries to, but he, but one of Marco's ships sacrifices, sacrifices itself himself to they're, sideline it. Yeah, they're, not, it's, it's, it. It, they're not cowards. That's not the no, problem. No, no, but no. enough shrapnel is able to catch up and clip yep. the Pella and, and, and cripple it, uh, which leads to another major loss for... Uh, uh, Marcos people, um, Rosenfeld, and, and it, the thing—it it does so many purposes here. I, I really love the tactic here of having Walker come in and do this thing that Drummer was gonna do. Because by the time Walker tries it and fails, mostly, mm-hmm. you know, fails ultimately, mm-hmm. Drummer's out of position. Drummer's too late. She can't right. catch up to the Pella. Right, um, right. Even the limping Pella, so she just has to tuck tail and mm-hmm. limp back to her fleet. So it spares her at the same time. The, it lets her off the hook too, because mm-hmm. she would ram this thing, but yeah. then she'd be dead, right? And and I love that this is one. This is one of the scenes where I felt like everything worked exactly right and told a really easy to stuff kinetic story. And then there's the bitter yeah. irony of her getting the all fleet blast. We've gotten intel that the Pella is going to be disguised as a freighter, and the look on drummer, like you know, it's the old. Uh, they said the military intelligence is an oxymoron, you know. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. And then it's like the look on her face is like, oh, you know, speaking of too little, too late. Uh-huh. And her looking out, and she she got a new sunroof in her V because like half the Tynan's just been peeled away. Yeah. Um, and she's like, there's nothing left to do but to wish the Rossi luck because it's all going to be up to them now. Anything else we want to talk about this battle? Uh, not until we get to the Rossi's part well, let's it. do that then the rasananti arrives at the ring gate with the freighter gian batista in tow uh as we see his grand the holden's grand plants in the wing in action the freighter disgorged hundreds if not thousands of thousands, cargo container yeah. is into the ring all rigged to dodge and evade the withering railgun fire from the ring station only a few dozen of these pods have infantry aboard and a desperate and chaotic battle ensues and it's it's like a lot of things, right? It's drones, it's it's freight 
containers, um, some of them with, with people in them, some of them not. It's it's just a bunch of flack. It's just yeah. throwing shit out there for them to target. And they can't hit it all. So some of it's going to get through, right? There's a comment later like, oh, the rate is at 20%. That's pretty good odds. We get an 80% chance of getting through. It's, it's still, though, one out of five of you is going to die. Like, it reminds oh, me of that Oh, I would scene. be terrified if I was and I, I can't <laughs> remember if, if it was in the movie or if it was in the novelization of... Uh, um, uh, Saving Private Ryan, where exactly. one of the uh, sergeants is like, you know, one of the troops guy, are we going to die, Sarge? He's like, hell no. One out of three at best, you know, uh-huh. like, look, look to your left, look to your right and say a prayer for those son of a bitches because one of them is going to make it, <laughs> but you're going to make Yeah, it's like uh, him and, and yeah. Bobby not knowing what a Russian roulette is because I don't know. <laughs> I, is that, I guess. Uh, that, like Mars's culture is so distinct and like young and different from Earth that they they don't have the same cultural or maybe maybe just like uh, that just shows what kind of circles that Amos and Bobby kind of ran around with. Could be. Um, yeah. Did you get the the reference of the good luck versus good hunting? The reference? I no. Apparently, this is a Battlestar Galactica reference. Um, that like Starbucks chews someone out for saying good luck before a big battle, and she says, "You never say good luck; you say good hunting." Huh. And no, I guess I this that. is an old naval tradition that, okay. like, is starting in World War One during like submarine combat that they they started saying that. It gives, uh, the, that it gives cool. the troops a little more agency, right? Like, yeah, you don't need luck; you just need to hunt well. Yeah, yeah our, our Crawford, one of our fans, pointed out uh, last week. It, it came in after a feedback episode, but there's a possible Gattaca reference. Avasarala says. This is not the time to think about the swim back. Okay. Sure. And I, there's been like, we've, we pointed a couple Just of these out. There's been got. like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if every one of these episodes has a reference to a classic sci-fi series or movies that like Dan yeah. and Ty and, and uh, uh, the others are kind of like invested in because it's nice. They paid homage to uh, Martin, Gattaca, mm-hmm. uh, Battlestar, like clearly the shoulders of giants that they're, they're, they're standing on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I thought uh, that th- also like the there's a couple things like that Naomi as good as she is that these Martian railguns are so good they fire so fast that like yeah early on in the battle they've already lost half their pods and she's having to crank the evasion patterns to maximum which is just beating the hell out of the the soldiers um, we this this battle is primarily told through the eyes of Bobby and and Amos and Amos is a tough guy but yeah. he, this is clearly a terrifying experience yeah that drop in man. Uh, they, they stick with him the whole time. Uh, and it's, it's very cool. I, I I would say, I I don't know how it's going to look in super high def, but in my copy of it, it looked a little dodgy in some spots, but for the most part, it looked awesome. It just had a lot of motion blur. And I, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to the bit rate. Um, because that makes a huge difference, but like, and also it's an unnatural place to fight in it's space, but it's inside the ring space. So everything has got this suffuse purple glow and like the background is not natural the background's busy anyway it's this weird you know more is that more pattern like you know like it's kind of shifting and rippling and this, this felt to me like if you were to get in the wright brothers original plane and fly through like a fourth of july celebration in one of the big cities or if you've ever America. seen like band of brothers or that uh, operation overlord where it's like a paratrooper is going in on d-day and like oh, the sky sure. is full of flak and tracer rounds and yeah. you're just like praying that the gunner doesn't yeah. see your shoot, you know? Uh-huh. No, it's it, it was awesome. Uh, 15 Gs during this. And th- this is the first time I think I've seen Amos, like, really struggle with 
keeping his shit together. You know, he's screaming. He's being pulled apart at every joint. I mean, 15 Gs will black you out within seconds. So, like, it's yeah. like when he's stumped. The fact that he doesn't black like, out I, I, I was actually thinking, I wonder if he's briefly lost conscious because he hits the ground and he, like, just falls on his ass because, yeah. yeah. In contrast to Bobby just kind of Oh, Iron Manning in. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it is really cool. Um, it's great. While this is all going on, the Rocinante gets clipped by one of the Martian railguns, and it turns yeah. out that protomolecule-derived armor is worth its weight in gold. It it it, mm-hmm. uh, it, it takes the hit, but the, one of the vital systems uh, underneath, kind of like you're wearing a bulletproof vest and you still break a rib because the bullet pokes you. Yeah. Uh, there's a problem. Uh, Holden's losing power. That's a really bad. There's a couple of reasons it's bad. He's like, it looks like he's dancing on the surface of the void. And we know if something goes into the void of the ring gate, it just gets disincorporated. Mm-hmm. And he's having trouble, number one, maintaining his acceleration to keep ahead of the railgun's fire. Yep. And number two, maintaining that attitude to where he's not slipping into the danger zone. And I thought that was cool because yeah. it's a huge distance in, inside this thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you remember in season four or no, season three, like um, I can't remember the speeds involved, but it's it's a pretty so like they talk about it taking months to traverse this thing at the speed at the that speed. the ring was allowing. Yeah. So like this is our pretty long range railgun shots, you know, and that's yeah. all. And, and so the Rossi's uh, dodging about barely, you know, and it's it's everything that that the Holden can do to keep it. Uh, mm-hmm. And Peaches now has to what I th- I thought sure she's going into. I'm like this is why they built the reactor room. Yeah. She's going to go in there. She's going to put on silver gloves. She's going to put her hands inside. She's going to get blasted with the light. She's going to have tumors all over her face. She's going to, it's like, yep. she's going to transfer her. into her. space. The dogs will fix her. She's It'll all be fine. She's going to transfer her consciousness to Amos. And yeah, they'll put, yep. yeah, the dogs will bring her back to life. And <laughs> now I, and then they don't, she just, they, they tell the story of her. she doesn't even her, use her mods. She That's doesn't even use her mods. They, and which they tell, I thought they tell the story of her doing the noble doom sacrifice and she just lives instead. Uh, which I, I think she was prepared for. To. I wanted that to happen, but like, yeah. why did you make me think? Why Why did you put the thumb on the scale of her dying so hard, Joe? Yeah, it heightens attention in those scenes. Certainly, it does. It um, does. And, and there's something there's something nice about her not having to resort to the thing that she's promised her crew she won't do again. Right? And it like, might be lethal. Yeah. Yeah. It. It it would maybe help. It would maybe save her crew if she used them. But the fact that she doesn't have to use them and break her promise is even better. Yeah. Um. So I, I like that moment. Uh. They're also at this point the Medina station as the uh, starts as they get closer start shooting torps at the pods. So the Ross and I has to engage with PDCs and now, like if it was a mess, but like there's so much shrapnel. There's PDCs. There's torpedoes. Things are exploding and it's all happening around poor Amos. Yeah. Um. The Rocinante makes it behind the Medina, uh, so it's briefly shielded from its guns. And what about the laser? Do they still have the laser? Could they have? I think that's what they take out. The said the comms, okay, and uh, the targeting array is what the rock. And that's I love it when they the Rocinante slides and. Uh, and uh, Holden's like our turn, motherfuckers, and he starts yeah. just railgunning the shit out of them. And, and I love the piloting, like him peeking out, you know, yeah. to try and see if they could get a line on <laughs> and it, on something. And, and the instantly, the railgun fires like uh-huh. back, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, j- just the grace with which that ship moves back and forth, even without Alex at the helm, it's yeah, it was cool. It'd be better, can't you imagine? Right. Like uh, every time I see it, I just think of like how much better it'd be with Alex, yeah, doing his cowboy shit. Yeah. Oh well. Yep. 
we get we the, the the good news is we get a Martian behind the the, the stick by the end of this episode. So uh, now at this point, the ground forces have managed to land near the reactor and fire control station, but they're pinned down by small arms and RPG fire. <laughs> while the Rasananti is unable to provide air support because she's pinned down and turned by the railgun emplacements. Yeah. They're at an impasse. Time is running out. People are dying all around Bobby and Amos. Amos shouting, get to cover when the firing starts and him just using Bobby as a shield. <laughs> yeah, just get behind. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, run the quarterback sneak option. Get behind the center and just push forward. Yep. Um, and then, you know, they get they get stuck in this little, uh, I don't know, alcove there and people are still getting picked off and then bobby goes in one man army and i'm just like yes there's I, there's so many damn that's cool moments here it is it is cool i felt like her jetting i i i have a hard time with sh- the because this is what everyone does they they slow down time to give everyone their hero moment but it always bothers me because like i like why is she doing the dramatic pose before she does this why is she doing that um and then so she 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 goes down uh she does just like she does in in uh, season two episode one she launches her her shoulder missiles they all go and detonate on the thing but then she starts taking the armor piercing rounds uh she ragdolls uh, things look grim. She's the airborne guys are above her and they are launching RPGs. And then here comes Amos. Yeah. And he takes out a few. And this is the part where like, again, they're telling me the story of Bobby and Amos doing everything they can and going to check out. And the Ross and then like, I don't understand why, what, what is the point of having Amos take all those shots and be like, ah, screw like he's like, yeah. it feels like he's getting just riddled with bullets like Swiss cheese. And it's a heroic sacrifice. And then the Rasanati comes like an avenging angel, which is badass. But I'm like, ah, oh, too little, too late. And then Amos just gets up and says, fuck yeah, Rossi. I'm like, okay. okay. I, I did have questions about gravity. I, I can't remember what the Medina um, station's gravity situation is. I know they're spinning Zero. the drum, but like on the actual ring center the nucleus whatever there was gravity inside but when she gets ragdolled she just is like does the thing where she's floating with one foot attached with a mag boot so i think it's zero g and i think in that case it's better if amos like goes in saves her from the rpg and then pulls her to the side to get cover agreed i don't know what he thinks he's doing by covering her goliath suit of armor with his like martian kevlar I, again i thought yeah. it was a, it was a, a a friend trying to save his other friend in vain it felt like again a noble sacrifice uh and you could still have the rossi come in and save them both right if, if like the martian belter forces are advancing on them right and it's yeah. clear that like bobby's out cold she's not going to be able to save amos when 16 dudes come around right. the corner right when these d- drop troops land you still could have done it, and and Rossi could have saved the day in the same way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. But it was still super exciting. Yeah, and up until that, like I don't, I have zero criticisms for anything except for that very last bit. And I know they're mm-hmm. trying. I know they're trying to the the ring the maximum amount of emotional excitement. I just don't like being jerked around. It's just like this is shades and not nearly as egregious. But like that that uh, I think it's the third episode in Game of Thrones, the first big battle for Winterfell. Yeah. When like multiple main characters go underneath like a dozen yeah. people all stabbing into them and you're like, oh, that person just died. And then five minutes later, they're they're not dead. You know, Is that the like, Battle of the Bastards. No, nah, I forget what they yeah. might be called. The Battle of Winterfell. I don't know. But yeah. uh, 
it's 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 i i i don't i we're just i don't know man i just as an audience member i'm just too smart for that shit and it just makes me irritated it but but i get again if you're going to do it do it on the finale episode when right like because if this show was to continue to go on every time someone was in mortal danger i'd be like well they're just gonna you know fucking those things compound yeah exactly sure. uh after the battle so now, so the, the guns are the, the guns are destroyed. Uh, Bobby f- apologizes uh, for this, but like I'm like I don't know because if she doesn't do that, I think the tactical situation is infinitely worse, far worse. Yeah, so, um, she she makes a she calls an audible that doesn't achieve their ultimate goal, but does keep them in the game. It does, yeah. It keeps they're they're hanging on there by fingernails. Uh, after this battle, Duarte uh, communicates with Marco and tells him, on, on no uncertain terms, his requests for reinforcements are denied. Yeah. And Philip demands to know how Marco keeps shrugging off all the death and destruction that's being done in his name. This is such a crushing blow to Marco, and I'm just sitting there. I- I'm the one cackling here at this point because I want Marco to lose. And and when when Duarte signs off, oh, dang, I'm like, oh, dang, Veltaloda. <laughs> <laughs> you just got screwed. Yeah, which if you don't know, that's uh, means far- farewell, right? Au, au revoir. Yeah, uh, and, and it's meant as a backhanded, th- backhanded uh, sign off here, right? Like, yeah. this is the last fucking time we're gonna talk because yeah. you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his express, and also like his expression of just pure impotent rage. And as soon as like Philip comes in, he like you can see him with a with a little bit of effort transform that into just supreme confidence which mm-hmm. was is i don't think we've ever seen him do that we've seen him go from pissy rage to like you know petulance and thing and things like that but like this they talk about this in the book all the time where no matter what happens to marco it's always the best thing that's ever happened yeah and he's he always, always and you see this this gift because for whatever reason and we already talked about how i don't think either one of us thought they told the story of the pella just being because, like, in my mind, the Pella is this close to achieving its goal. Like, it's too bad the mm-hmm. railguns went down, but they're going to get there with the lead time. If they get the railguns going, then they, they've probably still won. And the yeah. crew's moping around like they lost a battle instead of winning it. And I didn't think they told that story. I agree. The The crew doesn't seem clued in enough to understand the, the situation they're in. But... This is the first time, and this is a super effective thing they're doing with Marco. This is the first time I felt like Marco's bravado and spin was forced. Yeah. Like, even he knows he's fucked here. And this isn't just a setback. This is the end. And when he comes in there saying, this is the end of the Innas, I'm like, (laughs) dude, you could have stopped at the beginning and it would have been more honest because you know that this is the end. Like, without Duarte's support... Without having actually destroyed the the Martian and, and Earther fleets, and not having your railguns, I think you're still fucked. I think you get to the ring gate and you have a better chance of holding them off, but I think you're still done. Yeah, yeah. The odds are at least even at this point, and yeah. I don't think that goes well for you. You're not as experienced at this. Oh no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you don't know how to fight with the machine. Like, they, although they have gotten into quite a few scrapes, they've probably gotten some experience. But I, I, I agree. And I also thought it was a, a subtle, nice uh, show of how like a, a narcissist can like uh, when they get at the end of the ropes like change course because yeah. Before we've always seen the crew chant, you know, Marco or Philip or you know, here he's like, but this is he's finally at the end of his rope 
focusing on this as a team effort. Mm-hmm. This is what we're all doing. It's no longer for my and he he starts the belt or load belt the loda chant, which I thought was a nice way for the show to yeah. pay homage to our podcast. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. to chant our name and thanks for I all agree. of the promotion we've done and then honestly instrument instrument uh, we're in, an instrument we're we're instrumental yeah in the show's success i think we've done a great job as uh, it's being canceled <laughs> before the third trilogy uh the the the, the belt Delota takes full credit for <laughs> the success and, and failure of the expanse but yeah no I, I thought that was a classic like narcissist pivot yeah. and philip looks like he's about to throw up uh-huh. Like once again, he sees his his dad start his, and like in and in a way like is... no one else in the crew can see it the way he can. Uh huh. And especially now, like you know, he's seen it so many times before, he just wasn't willing to recognize it for what it is. Yeah, he saw it with Carol. His dad, right? He like, saw it with uh, Sin, and he thought I thought he really thought that uh, with the uh, um, shit Rosenfeld Rosenfeld. Yeah. I really thought that he thought that maybe that would get a reaction. Yeah. Like that this person is most loyal, who's also kind of been a, a surrogate mother figure for him, you know, like to shield him from his the worst of his father's impulses and kind of build him up and all that. Uh, father, no reaction. Yeah. And he finally sees that like, like we talked about, like, you know, Marco thinks all true belt, the true belters are just him and Philip. And if push comes to shove, just him. And this is Philip realizing the truth of that statement. Yeah, there. I think there's more on Philip's um, realization and stuff in the book, and almost to the point where, like, I question why they had him go back to his post after he has the private moment with his father, where his father's like, "After all we've been through, you still don't see it." Mm -hmm. He's like, "No, I do now." That to me is the moment he walks out the door, not when he goes back and sits down and Rosenfeld gets killed Mm -hmm. and all that. It's it's more like when he sees his father for who he truly is, that's mm. the turning point. Not, mm. Yeah, and I, I guess if you want to say, well, the way he treats his second and, you know, the surrogate mother is that turning point. But I felt it it came a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the end of the episode, because there's still quite a bit left, uh, let's take a quick break. All right, we're back as Holden and the crew of the Rasanati get some bad news from Officer Rala. They have no ships. The main Joint Strike Command has no ships left that can reinforce them in time uh, before Marco arrives at the gate, leaving them to figure out how they can take on Marco's entire fleet, uh, the remnants of it, with just one ship, with very little fuel, and very little ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Bobby was a little weird in this scene. She's been so gung-ho to bring this fight, and I guess she's brought the fight. She's gotten some of the uh, taste of that and maybe she's a little calmer now but you know she's suggesting all these like alternatives to get them out of there right to to cut and run as as amos says do any of us really want to do that um and holden kind of suggests to bobby hey if you don't want to continue on with this you can go and, and Bobby doesn't immediately say, are you fucking kidding me? I think that this is a fight I've been spoiling for for t- three seasons now. Yeah, I, I think the idea there is the Rossinanti has all the survivors of the ground campaign because uh-huh. the freighters like, you know, not going to make it out of here. And I, so I, I don't I don't think Bobby thought he was talking to her, even though she's included. He's talking about like. But he directly walks up to her and says, like, 
if you want to go, you can go. Well, no, he says like anyone that. on this ship that wants out, I, I understand. But I don't think Bobby thought he was, I thought he was like this really? very clearly. Okay. I mean, it, it's I thought weird. he was looking Bobby in the eye. No, he, he did. Because he <laughs> okay. was saying, because I, and isn't, wasn't she the commander of the ground forces? So maybe uh-huh. she would be the one that would tell them that. But I don't think they did a good job of showing like how many people survived. Okay, like, like they don't need to be here is what you're saying? Yeah, like, or like I, they, the they didn't sign up for this. You. They didn't sign yeah. it like it's 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 like this is truly a suicide mission is what it's looking like to shape up to be. Yeah. Um, you could still escape. But they, you, they, you know, there's like, hey, could we use uh, the Rossinanti to power the guns? There's no freaking way. It would take us weeks to weeks. even do it. Uh, you know, there's also, you know, uh, live to fight another day. We get through one of the gates and make off. We could steal the fuel from Medina. Um, and then they, you know, like I said, Amos calls them out. It's like no one here is wanting to cut and run. So then they got a new plan, yeah. which is using the GM, uh, Batista to soften up Marco's fleet by exploding it. And then using their few missiles and rail guns that they know they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. This is them trying to cripple Marco to where the other good guys can get right. there eventually and, and press the advantage. Yeah. Cause all three battle groups are still burning for the ring. Yep. They're just not going to make it in time yep. to stop Marco. And uh, this at this point, Naomi suggests using the ring entities. And there's another problem I thought where like this felt compressed because or maybe they're making another kind of doors and corners point. But like it seems insane to me that. uh, Sure, like 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 Marco taking over the solar system is bad. Do you know what's worse? Open up the ring gate entities and exterminating all life in the solar system. And I don't think Holden voices that strongly enough. Because he saw, he's the one that yeah. saw in the vision what can happen. He's and the, the only stakes. guy that I have that objection to. I think everybody else is like, hell yes, let's do this. Yeah, it's, Save it's our the, own lives. It's the devil we the don't war. know like, versus the one we do. But like. Yeah, but Holden. It felt like, 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 like uh, in during World War II, it's like, well, Hitler might take over the earth. So let's open up a gate to hell. Right. Because, but I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Hitler taking over earth is bad. But you could eventually beat him. If you open up a ring gate to hell and the whole world's destroyed, then what what the fuck? Let's open the the gate to hell and just hope the devil doesn't walk through, right? Exactly. Is what they're doing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to use hellfire to destroy our enemies. (laughs) Hopefully no demons come through. Yeah. Um, But I, yeah. And again, I feel like if they had a little bit more time, they could have had a little bit more discussion or Holden could give his misgivings or... You know, like, like I have a discussion yeah. about like the real stakes because he's like, yep. you know, I saw what happens when these people wake up and it's it could mean the destruction versus like, but if is it just that Avasarala has already had this conversation with him? But to me, to me, she I like, set I up the stakes and it his doesn't mind. feel like the show remembers what the stakes are because they're like, well, what happens? The ring gates uh, and they're like, it's like, like they wouldn't need to ask that question again. Right. Maybe is what but you're like, saying. it feels very cavalier to. Be like, you know what, Ringgate aliens, that's the call when when, you know, one of these guys had a vivid uh vision of the entire solar system being exploded as a result of this course of action. I guess, yeah, maybe give maybe give Holden a moment here to not even voice these arguments again because he has with Avasarala uh-huh. and she's already told him that the stakes are higher and the the more immediate stakes are more important. Just give him a moment to where the crew looks to him. And says, is this what we're really going to do? Yeah. And, and the camera just hangs on him. And you can feel the weight of uh, of him debating it in his own mind, right? Well, and I, I don't Again. know. Like, I don't know if the stakes are clear because I, you're clear to me because I just watched the whole season. But, like, 
It's been since early going season four, late season three, since Holden, Holden has articulated. Like, yeah, he's talking about the aliens are waking up and they're getting angry. But, like, it's been three seasons since we've seen that lead to anything but a singular ship being eating. Like, the whole idea that, like, no, what happens when this happens is eventually the solar system gets exterminated. Or, you know, I, 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 mean, I, 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 I think you can let your audience just remember that. So long. And then, it's been a couple, been been a couple seasons. I don't know. It has, but I mean, we we saw Duarte, nope, Savater get eaten. The mm-hmm. uh, last season, we we've already had this discussion with Avasarala. I th- I think there would have been enough there. Okay, but but they didn't give it that beat, right? I, I feel like right. it did need it did need to beat more, but it also doesn't need to rehash the argument. And here's the other thing: is like. Um, this feels like a great way to end it, but like visual, visually, it feels a little anticlimactic because they just launched the freighter, they launched the missiles, the music swells, but what yeah. actually happens is red CGI fire eats the fleet, and it it kind of it's almost like the Jurassic Park ending. Where you know Grant and uh, the T Rex, uh, yeah. he's got the kids and they've almost saved the day. But here, here, here's the Vlad, and they're going to die. And then the T Rex comes through yeah. and eats them. And I'm like, then that felt awesome in Jurassic Park mm-hmm. because that was kind of like this is like, I don't know. I guess it's a clever the the, the idea uh, is, is how the crew won, not the execution of it. And but, they give you a little more time to process that in the book. Yeah, because you're a you're reading it, so it takes longer. But B, I think they dwell on it a little bit more. And, um, I, and I am glad because like, they my, give it a whole window, like a timing window. Like we have yeah. 10 minutes to we have a window of 10 minutes yeah. once we trigger it for Marco to come through. If he wisens up and understands what we're doing, he's just going to stop. And I do or, love or how divert himself like my first time through my worst fear was he was going to slide through like Salvatore and like be smug and lecturing people on how superior us until he just winks out of existence. But to the show's credit, he realizes at the very last minute what's happening. I don't know yeah. if he knows what's happening, but he knows something bad is happening. And he screams veer off just as the red fire starts taking him. Yeah. And I thought that was. And, and they have him look right into the camera. You get to see that smug face one more time just, as it disincorporates. It's, yeah. It, it is a moment there. Um, but, but I get you. It's also like weirdly abbreviated and but i will say that like what kind of makes up for it is naomi's reaction because yeah. in her mind she's just watched her son being eaten by demon fire and in our mind and our at, mind at too at moment, that point yeah because yeah, i i thought it's funny because like I, I i had your heard your weird words your mildly interesting words echoing like i'm not happy with where philip and i'm like well i can see because like i was hoping that philip would maybe betray his father at the last moment and probably be doomed and whatnot. But like Mm -hmm. him dying in the ring gate, I'm like, well, maybe I see that's disappointing, but no more disappointing than his father's fate. And then Mm -hmm. turns out uh, he did a little tricky, tricky, tricky. He just walks off, which we'll we'll talk about here in a sec. Yeah. So the Rossi's crew watches satisfaction and relief. Uh, I I thought, yeah, all that stuff and Naomi screaming, uh, 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 even though I believe her trying to comfort her, like, She's already made up her mind, right? Like, she doesn't hesitate on this. She yeah. comes up with the plan that she knows is going to kill her son. It's There's no hesitation here, but there's still an emotion to it. Also... That felt right. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm going back and reintegrating everything I felt about the season, it does make Holden's decision to spare Marco indefensible. I guess it did save Philip, 
and I don't know what Phil, role Philip has going forward. Sort of accidentally. But yeah. like, oh Through my no God, so many own. less people would have died if he had just, because like so many people die in these battles and raids at the end uh-huh. that just wouldn't have happened if yeah. he had killed Marco. Um, so that's a bummer. Yeah, there's a cost, but I guess it's not as personal. You almost wonder, I almost wonder how many, if Duarte would have delivered those last few railguns too, if uh, Marco had died. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, because uh, it seems like, you know, they were really only useful for a distraction so that Earth does, we forgot all about those Laconians, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, we fade to black, and I think we might have predicted this in preseason, There's a, it's a little bit Lord of the Ringy, uh, because, uh, or a little bit Return of the Kingy, I should say, because you've got multiple what feels like final endings that kind of bleed into each other. So at some mm-hmm. some point in the future, after all this is over, all the major players from Earth, Mars, and the OPA are around a large conference table on Ceres Station discussing a way to share the ring safely for all. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. It, it, I love everything that happens with this negotiation and the, the finality of it um, up to the end of this episode. It's brilliant. And only half of this stuff happens in the book. So, yeah. And everyone's point from their own individual point of view makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like how can we trust you with our lives when half of you are only too willing to exterminate you? How can we trust you with yeah, your word when you've broken it for over a hundred years? Like I'm looking at the evolution of Holden into like a Fred Johnson type character. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at if Fred Johnson were in drummer's seat, things go a lot different and the mm-hmm. belters probably don't get what they want. Like he's not the uncompromising belter that they need. And even if they did, would the belters believe it? Because part of it is like Sure. Oh, was the best deal Fred Johnson Earth's lapdog got for us? Uh huh. You know, uh, it is perfect, just absolutely perfect that the only person in the room that everyone can agree to do this is Holden. And it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. He's uh, on nobody's side. He's on the side of people. Um, it's it's kind of touching. And and I also it's kind of funny because as as Avasaral is ticking off all the like impossible requirements for who could possibly be trusted to lead this effort and like slowly everyone in the conference room starts looking and Holden of course <laughs> is the last person to realize the sandbag is about to fall and hit him right in the head. Uh yeah. And I, I also like I just love the scene the the drummer where like Avasaral is very paternalistically saying like look I give you my word that you'll be treated with dignity and respect and drummer's like I give you my word you'll be treated with dignity and respect I give you my word that mm-hmm. we will never that we will carve out our niche and let you kill it's like why oh is that how how good does that make you feel why is your word good enough for me but my yeah. word's not good enough for you and it's an unanswerable question because yeah, it's it, yeah, there's no argument you can mount there that's not hypocritical. No, no, especially with the, the totality of the history of of the, yeah. the, the two sides. Because if it'd be one thing if Earth had never broken their word to the belt, but we know that's not true. Yep. So I thought that was great, and uh, you know, Holden like being the one to kind of like suggesting the thing that 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 ends up happening, but it's his kind of like worst nightmare. Um, and again, we have another kind of fade to black, skip ahead at some point in the future. A, a very dapper, it must be said. Holden. Oh, yeah. He's in a tux, a space tux. And he's in a space tux. You can tell it's a space tux because it's it's like missing collars. <laughs> yeah. No, no tie. Just a, just a weird. Yeah. Strange, Ties don't work in no, zero no buttons. G. They're just like always flapping up in your face. You can, that's, that's true. Not a, that's, that's not true. A, you can't have space ties. Um, You know, actually. A someone, space tie would have been too earther, right? Like. 
that, that would have said, hey, we're Earthers. Because Belter's been like, fuck, this guy in his tie. That's yeah, not even a piece yeah. of material that works in our culture. Yeah. Someone pointed out what I feel is something obvious. And I think it was this in the Discord. Because you've been mentioning how, like, Officer Raw's reward lo- ro- Ward robe has really changed in the last few weeks. And we talked about it being like a darker, more militaristic look. But someone also pointed out, it's like, well, we're used to seeing her in flowing robes uh-huh. and elaborate hairstyles. And now she's wearing the form-fitting jumpsuits and the updos of zero gravity. She's still got her trench coat cape thing, which might get in the way everyone's smile. Might, but might, but, might but yeah, yeah, bit, but yeah. Like, closer. Like, and when she's in going into battle, she's wearing a she's wearing a jumpsuit in this this episode. Yeah, totally. But yeah, he's uh, he is uh, holding a press conference as the new president of the very newly formed trade union, and his first official act is controversial, Jim. Yeah, as he's building up to this, before he's announced, like my first, my second action, I think, is as president is to resign. Um, mm-hmm. Before that, I'm thinking, okay, this is a good gateway to the future. Holden is the man to take on this mantle, but you have to think beyond Holden. How does the stability come? permanently because yeah. Holden can be assassinated and I'm sure there are many factions sure. that would love to assassinate him much Certainly. like they wanted to assassinate Fred Johnson mm-hmm. uh, and succeeded in that so like if Holden falls what happens to the the transport union and it was a great move to put drummer in as VP because if he falls they also have to take her out or it mm-hmm. just defaults to the belters um I I did not see him pulling that ripcord immediately because it doesn't happen in the books and it was so awesome so satisfying the build up when when Avrasarala can feel it coming and she's trying she's trying because like, like he's at the end you of his speech motherfucker. You, you see him at the end of his speech and Avrasarala starts to go up to the podium to do her shtick and he just like continues on and you can like she's like oh shit yep uh it's brilliant it's brilliant I, I do still have questions about like how does this become a lasting institution that is run by belters or at least run by the independent um yeah how do they maintain their belt i mean and there's like those are answers for the future right those are not answers for now answers for now are we have a belter at the head of this she's uncompromising she will get the belters with and and the other nations are already bound by law to respect it so like you know he's caused a constitutional crisis but you might as like you know i mean yeah, if you want to, if, if you want to go back on your back word this nat- hard again, just because uh, uh, you know someone who saved y'all's lives has taken the control, like then how much do you really trust? Like how much of this is just bullshit? Um, yeah, and he's bought time, time for them to potentially uh, create, you know, a situation yeah. in the inside the ring that is that is not surmountable by enemy forces. Yeah, um, so he might have bought the Belters enough time to get back on their feet. It's funny because some of this stuff is stuff we struggle with right now because like there is um, there is I, I there is a um, I worry among uh, some of the more conservative elements in society about the impending uh, transformation in America where oh, white people will no longer be a, ma- a super majority probably will be a plurality but not a majority yeah and it's hard to try to get in their headspace without realizing that they're just extremely afraid that if minorities have the real levers of power that they're going to do to us what we have done to them yeah there's a reckoning there's there's this oh my god we can't like we we we, there's a multi-pronged attack we can't let that happen we got to close our borders we got to increase our birth rates we got to stop teaching history so people like Mm -hmm. and this is such a great example of like if that's what you're afraid of 
then brothers and sisters, we better set some laws that bind all of us and protect all of us as individuals and as distinct groups and enforce it equally because that's the only like, fuck man. Like, yeah. Does it make you feel good for minorities to be like, well, we're not going to enslave and, and, and take advantage and oppress you when we get to be the majority? Cause, and if Because they said they did, the real uncomfortable realization is it would be just desserts. Right. As a white man, I don't want that to happen. But, like, at yeah. some point, we're going to have to trust each other and treat each other fairly or it'll just continually be a cycle of oppression, uh, overthrow of oppression, revenge, which leads uh, – it's – just, I'm looking for our Holden. I'm I'm looking for the guy that everyone need, can look to, Holden's the girl drummers. that everyone can look to, whoever. Yeah, you need that one good person, right? I mean, that's, you that's need, what Prax says. That's what uh, Absarala says. It's got to be. You need a side strong enough to take a blow, and then you need someone on the other side wise enough to realize what a sacrifice it was and that there's something that we can build on. And, and, and I if love... Without both of those sides, it won't happen. It, and they don't... I could see this coming off as cheesy. I could see this coming off as like people, you, you know, have you, you've let the the better what is shit? What is the term? The better, uh, better angels. But yes, you you've you've leaned so heavily on better angels and said that these characters who were these warmongers before and these torturers have become those better angels yeah. that it could seem almost yeah. silly. Yeah, but they don't go there, right? They they let the they let the better angel be the better angel in Holden. Like, Avasarela doesn't come all the way around. Mm-hmm. Avasarela is like, I want to help the belt, but only insofar as it also helps me. And as long as like, I, I don't want to give I, up everything to the belt. And as long as ultimately we're in charge. So if exactly. something goes off the right, like, I, I still feel like the parent in the room and I've got to keep these kids in line. Yeah. But And her first instinct is to undo it all. Like, oh, this is bullshit. Right? You duplicitous little shit. I'm going to undo it all. And I love that they don't get her all the way to no. the better angel in this. It wouldn't feel right. But she is willing to trust Holden. She was just enough on board with the idea of a peaceful future that it got them to yeah. where the better angel could step in. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uh, sometimes, like, it's been the theme this whole season. Like, you don't have to have all of society singing kumbaya. You need a few good people right. to step forward at crucial point and put their own... Uh, their their own fears and desires aside and act of like what's truly in the best interest for the greater amount of people mm-hmm. um, to do something that's selfless, to do something brave. And it doesn't take them that just, it just, you need those people to create these opportunities yeah. where you have these openings for, for trust and understanding and peace. And again, like this is just, I, to the extent that I have some quibbles over this final episode, I actually really, really like the right. final season. And I just love, I think this is like a, just a great, this is just a stunning statement on like political uh, geopolitics. Right. Like and this is like so instructive on so many different like conflicts and stuff that you can analyze through right now. And uh, it's such a great parable for our times. And I think they really, really nailed the Cause I, you know, I remember saying like, what is this show's thesis going to be? What is the way out of this? And I think this is exactly right. It is the, the, the the people in power have to be willing to get a little bit of comeuppance. Uh, The people who got the comeuppance have to kind of get their fill and kind of get sick up, you know, like, Oh God, what have we done? And then you have to find another way. You got to stop killing your way to a better tomorrow. Yeah. And Naomi and, says, you know, essentially that in the end yeah. of this. I, I know we haven't got to the end, but I, I want to like put a final stamp on this season and say, 
that's why I love this episode. Yes, around the margins, there are some things about like, oh, maybe the action didn't have to go this way or whatever, but it was so exciting. And when it comes down on its its main thesis, that the that's what we've always loved about The Expanse, right? Yes, it's been set in space and we love that stuff. It's mm-hmm. cool. The characters are awesome. They're a ton of fun at times. But like the broader thing that they were doing, the socio-political stuff, that they're talking about here with these different factions and where are they going to end up on that? I think they ended up in the perfect place. I agree. Because it's not naive. No. It's it's not... It's fully informed. It, it is fully informed, yes, by history, by our current society, by everything that we know as human beings. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give them too much credit, right? <laughs> I, I don't think they're like full-on historians here yeah. but like dan and ty for president 2024 i don't, I don't know about <laughs> right. that but they'd probably you know blush when i'm talking all this but yeah. like as far as television goes i've not seen it done better and and that's what i loved about these yeah these but, closing moments like i said I've, I've definitely seen elements and flashes of like these kind of empathy things in star right. trek but it's never been fully informed by people integrating like what the the you know by, by really what it's like to live under the boot you know, by by what it's like to feel like you are powerless to improve your situation. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, I just think it's great. And it's such a great book into with these last two episodes, like last episode, you had Officer Oliver, the, oh, James, you're so in power. And now she <laughs> says at the end, well, much less exasperated, but in the same kind of like, oh, James, I hope you're right. Yeah. And that's all you can do. Like it's it's a. It's a bet that if we try something different and, and it's maybe not immediately better in the next year, the next decade, but a hundred years from now, what will things look differently? Because these people opened a little bit of doors to trust and empathy and, and walk through them. And that character in Holden who felt so naive at the beginning, right? Like giving all this information out to everyone feels like a stupid thing to do. Yeah. And so many characters are saying it. It's, it's naive. And I think he hadn't even considered any of the consequences, right? He only comes to that stuff through Fred Johnson Mm -hmm. and his interactions there. Oh, that's the thing is none of these, like none of these people came out of the, the, the show came into the show ready to do any of these things. It was no. all the like all the experiences they had. Like drummer wouldn't be drummer without her experience with Fred, without her experience with Dawes, without her experience right. with, with Klaus. Uh, Holden wouldn't be Holden without his experience with Amos and Naomi and Miller and Prax and Avasarala. And it's, it's that character all works makes it, it feel real. They all needed the, the lived yeah. experiences to be able to, to appreciate. And, 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 and uh, some people, like I said, you need these people who can build bridges too. Like, uh, uh, I love that line of Holden. It's like, you know, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna put this trust in in a people that I respect and occasionally love. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to have those people who are respected. Like they've had the experiences to where people respect them. And I, man, I don't. That's the problem, I guess. In today is like, if anything, we're being more and more isolated. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, uh, just less and less opportunities for people to kind of mix and see how other people do. And you'd think the internet makes it easier, but it right. doesn't seem like to be doing it. Se- it seems like the tools we put on top of the internet are dividing us more than they're showing us what we have in common. And that's a shame because that's not how I thought things you have would a go tool, 15 years ago. You have a tool that's being improperly used. Yeah. I, it like does feel like a shame. Oh my God. Social media is a proto molecule. <laughs> kind of. 
Kind of. It can do great things, but it also can fucking disassemble you down to an atomic level. Yeah. And, and shovel you into... Spectre that's just going to hang over us for, yeah. <laughs> for all Until of we eternity. Until we master it. Yeah. And who's going to be... Do we want a Duarte trying to master that? He doesn't seem like the greatest guy. Um, no. I don't know. I really love it. And then, you know, ultimately that's what I wanted to be satisfied. It's not, it's not, you know, particular moments that, that pull off perfectly a piece of action. It's, mm-hmm. it's what is the show trying to say? How is it going to get there? Is it going to feel right? And it does. Yeah. And that brings us to the end, the God end damn. of all things. At I least have for to now. take back everything I just said. Okay. G- yep. Tell us about the scene. <laughs> <laughs> we are treated to an extended denouement offering us the final chance to say goodbye to this ship and this crew who have meant so much to us these past few years. Okay, yeah, this part is great. I, I love this moment. I love seeing the Rossi fly off into the black. Um, I, I changed and updated and new and and something else, you know, made better by all of its parts, both internally with the crew and externally with the protomolecule hull plating um yeah there's something poetic yeah about i the thought they got this. a new color scheme i'm like that's it's ah, red but, and then, blue. I, but it's, then i realized oh no that's the weird protomolecule armor strapped all over it yeah and it's it's got like a look that synthesizes every look of the series too there there's a, there's okay i don't want to get too political here there's a definite red white and blue motif going on here mm. it, i think they're saying something meta huh. about us uh, right, as a country right. right now but also they're they're incorporating all the looks because protomolecule is very blue. Mm. Uh, the entities inside the the whatever void ring gate thing are very red, mm. right? And so now you've synthesized all the looks thematically of the show into the Rosinante. Um, the the UNN very blue, the Martians very red. You've taken all the pieces that make everything up in the aesthetic of this show and put them onto one ship. It's great. Uh, I love the establishment that Bobby's their new pilot, permanent member of the crew. There's a little bit of good natured, you know, them being nervous and oh, I wonder what this button does. And, <laughs> and then Amos cracking that like it can't be worse, uh, a rougher ride than when Holden is on the stick. Uh, I thought it was a great moment. Peaches remaking the devil face pin. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then and like then the reveal. reveal of when she flips her and she's got one too. like again, she's. You're dead in four and a half years, but uh, okay. But you got, but you got all the Star Trek's five-year continuing mission That's ahead true. of you. Yeah, it's, That's true. And good. who knows what it's the proto is? She could just uh, the dogs will fix her. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Dogs will She'll fix be back. her. Don't a, worry. a little bluer, but no worse That's for wear. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A little losing her fragile grip <laughs> a on humanity. Jitterier. But, uh, yeah. And I just uh, Amos's look of content and happiness at this situation. Yeah. And then uh, ending with Naomi and Holden in their bed, curled up in their bunk. And I, I, you know, this is a bunch of speechifying that the showrunners are doing on behalf of the characters, but I like it. Like, the universe doesn't give a shit. It's never going to tell us what we did is right or wrong. But one thing we can be sure of is if we help people and it works, someone's life gets better and we feel good about it. And, like, that seems like a win under various moral systems to me. And then the thing about, like, you didn't do this for a reward. You didn't do this for a... Uh, status you didn't do it for any reason other than it was the right thing to do and boy that's tough you know in our doggy dog world to do anything without expectation of gain is like yeah yeah it's tough 
Those doggy dog worlds. Uh, <laughs> <Doggy> dog. <laughs> I also eat. eat. Th- this is also <laughs> where uh, we find out to Philip. Uh, exited ah, stage left right yeah. as right at the last moment he gets out uh, and changes his name to Philip Nagata I don't know what that means because I feel like in the future there'd be so much biometric bullshit that like you would need yeah. Uh, Eric yeah you gotta go see- seek Eric out on new- in New Baltimore yeah and get your fucking ID changed because good luck <laughs> good luck kid but Baltimore. Yeah, and there's something right about, like, literally, as Naomi's talking about how you never know the ripple effects of these things. And I criticize Holden for not killing Marco, but, like, the ripple effect here, Naomi doesn't know it. Uh, Yeah. Jim doesn't know, but he saves this kid's life. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, someone uh, took exception with me describing Philip as an innocent in the feedback episode. But, like, Mm. I think... I think if you're a 16 to 18 year old kid and you grew up in what is essentially a terrorist cult, you are as innocent as I think I can, you know, because like you just didn't have a chance. You didn't have a chance. Right. And and I think a lot of people, if you're in the camp that thinks, you know, Philip made his choices, uh, you're going to be like, what the fuck in this scene where he goes to Marco and says, what choice did I have? Mm -hmm. You know, I was a kid. I I was born into this. Um, I was the thing you made me. Yeah, in a no, very real way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I get it, but I can understand. I guess why people wouldn't. Yeah, and then I, I really liked the moment where like Holden is essentially pitching the next series, which is like, oh, you know, probably piracy will be an issue. We could provide security, or maybe we can do some consulting at the the colonies, or you know, we still need to track down what happened to that protomo. And and Naomi's like, you know what? Can we just enjoy this moment? And then Rasanati flies off into the the Milky Way, and it's beautiful. It's uh. Yeah, it's it's one of those like the end of a, the Star Trek era where Kirk says, you know, set the course to the second star by morning or whatever the Peter Pan quote is, and and sure. you just it's it's the voyage isn't over, they're they're still out in the stars, but and we may or may not hear the rest of the story, but we got a pretty satisfying end to the story that was being told thus far. Yeah, I, I think it's even stronger than the book. Um, wow, the way the book ends, I did have. It felt anticlimactic for Philip just to kind of walk off because because all of that they've reordered it here. They ordered the battle happening first and and all this this killing and stuff. And this is almost like a, a denouement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, it's the opposite. Philip just walks off and then everything else happens. And you're like, wait, wait, Philip, what? Mm-hmm. I want to know more about what Philip's going to do. Like. Yeah, he's not going to be here. He's he's broken the hold of his father. But like, I I felt like I wanted more from the book version of the Philip mm-hmm. story. This felt different. This yeah. this felt like if if I have any complaints, it's only residual book complaints. And it, Philip being survived felt like the kind of a lot of these things that felt like attempted to be kind of what I would say nice surprises. You know, uh-huh. like uh, you didn't expect uh, uh, Clarissa to almost to, to be on death's door, but she's going to live. You didn't expect Amos to and Bobby to survive the situation. This did feel like a nice surprise. I'm like, I'd seen Naomi process the grief. It yeah. felt real. I felt appropriately real devastated her. for her. Uh, I, you know, I, I got kind of emotional at this because like I, I love it when good people work together to make a better tomorrow. And then it really worked for me to see Philip, like, 
it goes back to what Naomi said last season. Like the only thing you you have control over in situations like this is walking away. Yeah. You can't stop it. You can't change your father. You can't save him. But you can decide that I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And that little nugget of wisdom that she gave him saved his life. And uh, it's yeah. yeah, it just it just works so well thematically with with her monologue, and uh, I thought it was emotionally effective. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think him changing his name his name to Nagata is supposed to indicate that he's going to seek her out, like she said to do? Like when you before you kill yourself, come find me. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I wasn't. Sh- I mean, is it that definitely, the implication for the future? It was definitely him turning over a new leaf. Like I'm repudiating that. my father with everything, yes. including my fictitious last name. Like uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I am no longer uh, walking that path. I'm going to try to walk the more difficult path of my mother. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You, we have now caught up in book knowledge to each yeah, other. Totally. Uh, there's no more mildly interesting things left nope. to talk about. Uh, I will say that, like. I've got. I'm. I'm halfway through another science fiction book right now, Truth of the Divine. Uh, I'm going to immediately start the next book after this. Yeah. I've already got it reserved in the Cincinnati Public Library system. Oh shit! I'm gonna be yeah, behind. Yeah, I'm, I'm a couple, I'm a couple nah. spots ahead of you, fucker. Um, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold on to this. Copies. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hoard them. I'm gonna get multiple Kindles. I, check I've them all. The twenty three dollars <laughs> to go buy this thing. It's cool. Uh, but no, I like I said, I it. And I, I need to watch. I'm going to watch it again uh, and see. I, and I get. I, I hope I didn't come across as too negative. There's just. I think this was mostly good. It's just there was a few things that I felt like they tried to divert when they should have kind of just kept going straight forward. And if they'd done that or given this episode more time to breathe, it had been a perfect finale. Because I guess that's. Mm-hmm. I'm always chase trying to chase. Uh, the finale of Leftovers, the finale of yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation, that's the first one I remember as a kid, like, thinking, holy shit, how satisfying is this? Right. It's everything I want from it. I, it wasn't that, but it was pretty damn close. And overall, when I think about this as season, um, mm-hmm. what they had to do with what how little they had, yeah. it's amazing. And when I think of the series as a whole, it's still... Uh, I think, I mean, maybe I have some more residual affection for Star Trek The Next Generation, but, like, I think of this course. is the best science fiction series I've ever seen. This is the Lord of the Rings for science fiction. This is my new benchmark for what audiovisual storytelling in the far-flung future with aliens and shit can look like. Um, everything, to like, this is this I, is adult, this is adult entertainment. It, yeah, it's it's that, and it's serious entertainment. It's, it's to the point where I don't think I will look back on this in 10 years the way I look back on like a Battlestar Galactica and I loved Battlestar Galactica sure. every moment I was riveted to the very end right but I look back on it and go that was a little melodramatic it's a little soap opera yeah. the love stuff yeah. boy they really leaned into that yeah, 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 coming yeah. off with the Starbuck and Apollo stuff I, I, I think this series looking back on it will be more fondly remembered held in higher esteem than something by Battlestar Galactica. I, I hope this becomes like the fucking wire where like, you know, no one watched the wire when it first came out 20 years later, yeah. everyone has seen the wire and it's had huge, like, uh, and, and it would be great if it would have like starts conversations the same way the wire did about addiction, about how we feel about late stage capitalism, about yeah. how we feel about, uh, corruption in our institutions. Like I would love for the expanse to like, 20 years from now influence the way people think about uh 
you know, how we take care of the planet together, our mutual yeah. uh, obligations to each other, how we engage in foreign uh, diplomacy and uh, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. I would love for that to happen. And, uh, and I, you know, also would love to see another series. Um, sure. Yeah. And uh, we have a much better chance gonna... if this if this show continues to grow in people's estimations. If they do another one, we we do an award show called the Baldies mm-hmm. every year. It's coming out in March this year. We always have a risk versus reward category. Mm-hmm. Like how risky was this project versus like the potential payoff? Mm-hmm. That's going to be in that category because they've ended this so well. Yeah. And it does feel final in a way that I would be happy going out on this note. Yeah. Because if you they were to the bring books, it back, then they have to hit that note all over again. And sure that's going to be even harder, I think. And I hear that it is because, like, I think that, like, uh, what, everything I've heard is the next series expands upon the expanse in exactly the same scope and magnitude as the, the ring gate opening, as, as a yeah. ring gate opening. And to me, that says those precursors come back. The ring gate entities do wake and, uh, you know, Laconia mm. has access to that technology and it's going to be just another big shit show. Only now, instead of you've also got aliens into the, it's just going to be like essentially star Wars. And that is going to be that. That's, that's, that's an ambitious story to tell and they're going to need a bigger budget. And uh, I hope it, they get it. It feels like Amos falling to the ring gate or to, to the, the nucleus um, with all this flack going on around him. And you did that once successfully. You landed. Mm-hmm. Do it again. The outcome might. That's true. You might get hit yeah. by a piece of shrapnel and yep. you're done. And yep. it's just so risky to do it again. That said, I would welcome it. Would you? <laughs> so, let me ask you this. As a fan of The Expanse, would you rather them try another series and get canceled after one season or <sighs> one series? Or would you rather no. them never try? If they're going to do it, I want like a three-year contract that that makes all agree. Of, makes the rest of the story happen. I think it should be all it should be all or nothing because that would almost be yeah. wor- worse than right. You know. But on the hands, I'm trying to think of like, would I have rather the expanse got canceled after one season than never have seen it at all? Or well, I mean, the although I guess the expanse wasn't four. expanse in season one. Like, yeah, I would liked it, it. Would it, if it got canceled in, at the end of season four, would that would have satisfied, been, right? Because that is the direct analog. And, and, and also that, that it was, was canceled, got renewed. That was the end of a story. Like you could have, you could have done it there. It, it, but it makes season four feel like a why, like like a, like a, like a yeah, like a bonus feature, yeah, like a, like like a, a one ship, yeah, 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 <laughs> one, sh- <laughs> like an extended one ship. Yeah. yeah, no, I, it's man, it's tough. Would I rather have more of something? What what I really would hate is if this turns into another production company with a new cast and new crew and they just like fuck it up. Sure. Like if it's, yeah. it's one thing to see a season seven that's as good as this and it just like doesn't because like people don't, the appetite for really realistic political intrigue in the 24th century doesn't exist. And also like, is that, I I also want to know if like, maybe this was like the magnum opus and then these next trilogy is just like space fantasy. Like, is it going to feel as gritty and grounded when you've got protomolecule shit and you've got protomolecule hybrids and you you're going to war with gods and like, is that going to feel? Because like I, I I like the fact that this so neatly maps into various parts of human history mm-hmm. and you can see it. Like, does it get so gonzo that it's a fundamentally different show starting next season? Because because they've reined that stuff in. 
over the last three seasons, right? Like, right. Season four was like the height of it, and yeah. then it's come down since. Yeah, then. I'd argue even season three was where where you had the like, what the hell's going on with. Uh, you had the hybrid still a big part of the thing well, you had making the generator like yeah in- introducing the sent the the entities within it and yeah, like the yeah, generator no, no, planets right, and right. shit like that it's miller jacking the the exoskeleton the inspector yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, that's you're, you're right that's pretty rather, um, but you're yeah. right it, it went hard back to just it did grounded political intrigue in season five and six uh and, and i think you're right if, if we did blow this back out they'd have to do a similar arc. They'd have to bring mm. it back in yeah. um, around season seven, right? So, or, or sorry, season eight. Yeah. What, what does that even look like if they're, if you're now a 1100 system? Cause that's the thing that even, cause we talked about that, like how exciting it was at the end of season three. They're like, Oh my God, humanity's got the star access to the stars. Yeah. But they've made managed to contain that towards still the solar system. I don't know how you do that uh, going forward. Because obviously the trade union is there to not do that. They're there to open yeah. up the stars. So for sure, uh, lots of stories left to tell in the universe. I'm curious to see what Dan and Ty feel like. like are they going to continue writing short stories, and are they going to open it up to other people to do like the George R. R. Martin kind of like to start, you know, uh, curating mean, yeah. anthologies set in their universe? Like I can't imagine any of them being as satisfying as what we've already seen in the mainline. But it's tough. I, I would welcome like. You know, all the Star Trek books that, that came out in the 90s or whatever, right? Or, sure. or the Star Wars books, these yeah. side tales. Yeah. Um, I, I welcome that stuff. Like, give me give me the Belter stuff. Yeah. Give, give me a, I don't know, maybe a Christmas in the Belt. What does that look like? Yeah. You and know? It, it just <laughs> give me creative, an official version of that. It, it's hard. It's like, it's it's tough to see, like, because, like, imagine, like, the end of Lost, if you're a big Lost fan, you're like, man, what could Damon Lindelof do better than this? And then you sure. get to the end of The Leftovers, and you think, what could, and then you get to the end of The Watchmen, and it's like, I don't know, man. Some people have a lot of bangers inside of them, and yeah. I'm curious to see what these guys come up with going forward. Some so. are just natural storytellers, and I think that's what we've got here yeah. with uh, Dana Ty. I, th- I think, look, those guys... I don't think they told that many stories before this. Um, they they were hoping to make this thing into an RPG, like a, mm-hmm. a pen and pen That's and paper. how it started, as far as I can tell. Right, and then they were just like, "Let's blow this out. Um, let's blow this out into a series of novels." And they've really stepped up to the plate. I, I think as. I don't want to say their first time because I don't. I don't know if that's true. I'm not familiar with their total backstory, but mm-hmm. as as not already well-respected authors they've done a hell of a job here both in the books which you know is basically all them but then in also adapting it with the help of uh, you know Naren Shankar and um just a bunch of people behind the scenes I know I am not going to shout them all out obviously but just a ton of people working on this show they've all done such great jobs yeah Looks like I was just looking real quick. The Dan, I guess, has written a bunch of stuff, um, including okay. some stuff. But like, Ty, I thought he might have been come to Ty and said, "Like, hey, let, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I've got experience in this. Let's take your RPG idea." Because he was early in on the RPG stuff, mm-hmm. like playing test versions of it or some shit. Yeah, I guess yeah. Like, like uh, Ty was like the GM of the RPG that kind of like, and that's how they started collaborating. So yeah, yeah, I would love to see yeah, like Solo whether they continue to work together. It's they seem to have a very good working relationship, and I, I, uh, I from what I can tell of their personalities on Twitter and stuff, I, I, I feel like I like the guys too, and they're relatively young. They're in their like fifties and forties, so they're still got hmm. a lot of stories to tell. So yeah. Uh, 
this is our opinion on how this is in, in it up and, and what our thoughts are on the franchise going forward. We are going to have a couple more opportunities. Uh, I guess you, you've missed the, the the live watch opportunity if you're hearing this podcast now. Although I will say that, like, uh, if you want to see what those were all about, uh, twitch.tv slash baldmove has the video archives for all of our stuff for up to 60 days. So if you want to see our thoughts on the finale as it was occurring and how the community reacted to it, Go to twitch.tv slash baldmove. There's a time. We, we put the time code of the episodes on the video stream so you can easily synch- synchronize it up. Um, and more to the point, early next week, we'll have one final mailbag for The Expanse. We're going to wrap up uh, the series and the, and the season and, and all that. But that's it for now. Expanse at baldmove.com. We'll talk about uh, what your thoughts were next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.